life. Um, I want to start a serious day on a very, uh, I want to start this series on a positive note, not that it's going to go negative, but um, like today it's the happy sermon, next Sunday it's the one uh, where no, that, that's not the truth. I, I, I want to, we've been talking about community and, and, and I want to kind of shift uh, into this idea about there's a, there's a positive note for people found throughout Scripture. When we read the Bible, we find that the Bible is full of examples of men and women who against insurmountable odds in their lives, in a host of circumstances that were both good and bad, they discovered this strength in God to have an I can attitude. <laughs> I mean, you read, the, you read that list of the heroes of faith. And um, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's this, there's this list of people. And, and it's amazing to me that you know, we, we understand them to be the heroes of faith. We understand them to be these ones scripturally and, 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 and that were very powerful in their lives. And, and you read that list, and it's not all about victory. I mean, the Bible says that they suffered. I mean, some of them suffered through hardship. Some of them suffered through death. Some of them had tremendous pain. And yet, you know, the flip side of that is some of them had tremendous victories. You know, I mean, listed in those heroes are people who won great battles and did great exploits for God. But there was something intrinsic about all of them they all stood with a with a resolve inside of their heart that no matter what their circumstance looked like no matter what they were going through no matter no matter how good or how bad it looked they recognized that they could survive they could win they could become victorious in the god whom they were serving i mean is this this whole idea of of a, of a can attitude that 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 rest in the heart of the people of faith that that we don't walk by sight but we walk by faith and our faith is making this declaration that in all circumstances and everything in my life I can make it I can make it I think sometimes we we settle for some things that we shouldn't be settling for and, and the apostle Paul uh, wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, a very powerful thing. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know what other translation says, I can do all things. I can, I can do all of this. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, pastors or ministers will get up and they'll, they'll skip 
that 12th verse and they'll jump right into the 13th verse. They'll say, well, I can do all things through Christ. And we, we have such a positive spin on that that, man, I can be victorious. I can win. I can, I, I can, you know, I can do all of these things. I can perform the miraculous. I can see the sick healed. I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I can do all of these things through Christ. But Paul is stressing the fact that I can even suffer want through him. That I can even go through circumstances in my life that are not favorable. That that whether I am well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's the great Apostle Paul. And he's saying, life has this vacillating thing going back and forth. That there are times when it's plentiful and there are times when it's empty. There are times when it's fed. There are times... When I'm hungry, but in the midst of all of these up and downs, this is what I know. That I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That I can do this. And I think that, 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 that something has is, is got to grip the heart of, of everyone that, that is truly following after what God is doing and purposing in your life. That, that there has to be this attitude of I can that, I mean, we got to get this I can attitude. Not the kind of, of, of sloppy I can that ignores the reality of life. No, the, the kind of I can that looks right in the face of the reality of life and says, whatever you throw at me, I serve a God that's bigger than you are and I can make it through anything with my, with my God on my side. And I can make it. Everybody say, I can make it. I can make it. Long flights. I've been suffering through jet lag from the Philippine trip, but you know, you 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 have this long flight going to the the Philippines. The longest flight is um, is fifteen hours. Fifteen hours. We flew from Atlanta, Georgia, to Narita, in in it's one of the Tokyo. Japan airports, and so 15 hours going there. It's a little less coming because you coming back home because you have the jet stream, but but going there, it's it's right under 15 hours. So they've outfitted airplanes now. Used to that, you know, you were just you were just um, bound to whatever showed on a big screen, but now they they've outfitted airplanes with each seat has an individual entertainment system. And so we, we were sitting in bulkhead seats, and so there was no seats in front of us. And so you pull it out. You pull this screen out from underneath the armrest, and it turns around, and you can watch movies, watch documentaries, television shows that have been recorded. You can play games. I lost everything in poker. Lost everything. It's like, it's like every, it's like, yeah, I'm not understanding how to do this correctly. I, um, I watched a couple of movies, and, and one of the movies that I watched was a movie that came out in 2015. It's a movie about an, uh, uh, an Everest climb, Mount Everest climb. There's these two groups ultimately got together there were two tour groups or guide groups that 
you know, take people to summit um, on Mount Everest. And, and the name of the movie is Everest, and, and it documents one of the, one of the, or if not the biggest tragedy that has ever happened in the mountain, mountain climbing adventures uh, in, in modern era. Then eight people died in May 1996. Eight people died, including the two guides, the two owners of the companies that had traversed this several times. Um, they, they died um, on, on, on Mount Everest. It was a freak storm that had arose on, on, that, on that day. Several other things were involved with, with uh, making it very treacherous and everything that took place as these people were, were taking these groups up. They, they, they allowed the time to get away from them. And instead of, instead of reaching that point, there, you know, there's a point where they say at 2 o'clock. When it hits 2 o'clock, we turn around whether we hit the summit or not. Everyone turns around at 2 o'clock. Well, they, they did not do that. Okay, they were so close to getting to the summit that they pushed into 3 o'clock and then 4 o'clock and then 5 o'clock. And that decision is probably the decision that cost everyone their life that, that was killed that day. Because unbeknownst to them, a, a winter storm was developing in the lower atmosphere and it would soon hit the summit with 75 mile an hour winds and temperatures that plummeted to like something like 80 below in a blinding snowstorm that where you could not you could not you took a step and your foot in front of you would disappear in the snow in this in the blinding blizzard that you could not even see one step in front of yourself i mean i don't know how you feel but that just sounds horrible to me and i don't know why anybody would do it Okay. I mean, for me, like, if I'm going to die by nature, let me get scorched on a beach. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, we found it. He was burnt to a crisp. Freak sunshine hit him. Raid him out. You know, I mean, I would, I would rather that than the other. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, you know, I mean, it's like the last couple of days here with seven degree weather in in January. It's like this is like heaven to me. <laughs> I just want to sing that song. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me the, you know. Well, Jimmy Buffett says their body been kissed by the sun. Let the sun kiss my body. Hallelujah. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. These guys up there in this frigid weather and they're climbing this mountain. And, and, and there's one particular climber. There's one I want to talk about. You've probably heard his story. Um, his name is Dr. Beck Weathers. Dr. Beck Weathers was, this is him now um, with facial reconstruction. Um, th- this man on, on that Everest climb, this man, and, and he was portrayed in the movie, a central character in the movie. This man had had eye surgery, and he did not he did not know, or maybe none of them knew. He did not know that at the elevation that you're at. Now think about it for a second. Mount Mount Everest, the summit of Mount Everest, is in the jet stream. 
okay? The, the summit of Mount Everest is that high. And he, he was about 1,500 feet from the summit when he went, he went blind, okay? What they did not know is that the surgery, this radio uh, back in those days, keratotomy, the surgery that, that, that you know, they do um, to fix farsightedness or nearsightedness, whatever that is, um, um, that surgery caused his, his eyeballs to go flat. And when, it, when his cornea went flat, he, he, he couldn't see. And, it was, and those darker time frames up on the peak of the mountain, he couldn't see at all. And so at 1,500 feet from the summit, they sat him down, blind. They sat him down there in the snow, and they said, um, you just sit here, and when it gets a little lighter, here in a little while, it'll get a little lighter, the day will come up. And, um, and if you can see better when it gets light, then go ahead and follow. Go ahead and, and, and catch up with us. If you can't see, then just stay here and we'll come back and we'll get you. Just stay right here and we'll come get you. What they did not know is in the meantime, the storm would come. And Dr. Beck Weathers began to face that storm before they did on the summit. And so by the time the first person got back to him, by the time that person got back to him, that person was already completely exhausted. And, and Dr. Beck Weathers made this statement concerning that. He said, there was a sigh of relief in him when I said, just leave me here. I'll wait for the others. I mean, what he did not know is many of the others would never come off the, off the summit. They would never get down that far. And the ones that he was waiting on wouldn't get down that far. But two did come. And they, all they could do, he was blind. All they could do was tie a rope onto him 20 feet behind them. And as they were pushing downward the mountain, they were dragging him along until finally they could not do this anymore. And they left Dr. Beckweathers and a Japanese lady there to die. Okay? They just left them there. They, that's all they could do. And so they left them there, and they, they went on down to base camp and tried to get some help, and they tried to, to rally people at base camp to, let's go into the blinding storm and let's go get these people that are dying. And, and, and it was so, the storm was so violent that they could not go out and face the storm. So they waited for it to to calm down a little, and then finally they did go, and they go and they check on the Japanese lady and Dr. Beckweathers, and they determine that both of them have died. They're dead. And so they turned back around, and they went back down to base camp. In just a few hours, the sun came back up, and Dr. Beckweathers says, I don't know how my body resuscitated. All I know is that when I woke up, the water bottles that I had put against my skin under my coat in order to try to keep them from freezing had in fact frozen themselves onto my chest. And he said, my arm was frozen in an upward position behind my head and it was unmovable. It was froze behind my head. I had no use of my other arm. I had no use of my fingers I was frozen, but I woke up. And when I woke up, all I saw was a vision of my wife and my kids. And I said to myself, 
I will not die on this mountain. And he said, it was in that moment that I picked myself up without any help. I turned to the, and he knew her name. The name escapes me right now, the Japanese lady. He recognized that she was in fact gone. She was froze to death. He said, she looked like a porcelain doll. He said, I could tell that my face was frozen. He said, I had to beat three inches of ice off of my face. And he said, he said finally, I was, I was up and up, and I could see again. The light was enough for me to see. And at that point, I began to stumble my way back down that mountain in hopes to get to base camp. I think I'm going in the right direction. Ultimately, he stumbled his way close enough to base camp for somebody to see him. They had already satellite phoned his wife and told his wife he was dead. Now they're satellite phoning his wife saying, you can't believe this, he just walked into camp. Okay? They put him in sleeping bags, they put warmers under him, they began to try to do something because they realized the frostbite was, was um, I mean, it was, he lost most of one arm, the arm that was frozen behind his head, he lost most of that arm from the elbow down. He lost all of the fingers on his other hand. Um, he, his nose fell off from the frostbite. Uh, if you go to the other pictures there, we have a couple of pictures of him right after um, he was rescued. Um, this one and then go to the other one. Um, this picture is a very famous picture. You can see his hands are still bandaged. This is when he arrived back to Texas uh, from, the, from the trip. He ended, up, he ended up having to have major reconstructive surgery on his face. Um, his nose fell off. He, he even said this in an interview. I, I was watching an interview that they did. Him. He said, I was walking down the hall of my house and, and, and with no shoes on, and my big toe uh, skipped ahead of me down the hall. Uh, Parts of his body were so frozen, they just fell off. As I was sitting eating supper, and my eyebrows fell off. You think, man, that's a crazy story. And, and how, how does this guy even, how do he even do that? And the thing that resounded in my mind concerning all of this is that he had this visual image of his family and something inside of him said, I don't care how bad it is, I can make it. I can make it. And this is the remarkable thing about this story. I I heard him talking and he, he made this statement. He said, actually, what happened on that mountain that day saved my family. Because he was such an avid mountain climber, he didn't even, he, he knew his wife, his wife was getting ready to leave him, and he knew that if he told her he was going to go try Everest, um, she was just through. She was through, because it takes about two months to do an Everest climb. He waited until he got to Nepal to tell her where he was. And he said that, he said that, that, um, obviously, the, the tragedy that happened on that mountain for him the losing of the appendages and all that stopped him as a mountain climber. It stopped that part of his life. But it started the whole new part of his life with his wife and with his children. And the wife makes these statements about him. She said, nowadays, the biggest climb that he does is in and out of the toy box with the grandchildren. 
That's just what he does now. And he says, my, my life was saved that day. My marriage was saved. My relationship with my children was saved that day. But a man that, the man that just frozen, not in a Disney kind of way, frozen. You know, and I mean, I liken that. This is the, this is the, this is the crux of what I see in the Word of God. That that when I see these people who are these these great heroes of faith, that that there were times when they were on mountains and not perhaps in 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 the in the literal sense of being frozen, but their lives. We're frozen. And sometimes our lives get frozen. Sometimes our lives get in this place where all hope seems to be gone. But yet in the midst of that hopeless circumstance, we get a vision of what Christ can do. And suddenly we recognize that if I will trust him, I can make it. I can. Paul said, I can do this. I can do this Through Christ. I can do this through the one who has called me and who has has made me and who has shaped me. This one that I am resting my faith in. I can do this. I can make it. I believe there's anything God wants us to have is an I can attitude. Matter of fact, we talked about those heroes of faith in Hebrews 12 goes on to Give a little more concerning them. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance. See, that's something that, you know, perhaps a a feather bed generation doesn't understand as much and maybe we should understand it just a little more that there are times in our walk with God that require us to persevere well I thought it was all going to be easy I was back in the day preaching I, 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 I did what we called evangelize I was a full time evangelist is what we called it I would travel from church to church and do conference to conference and and, and that's when I was in one of these meetings one time that, that I was a part of the speaking lineup. And this, this, it was a youth meeting. There's probably, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people there. And this, this preacher was preaching one of the sessions. That, and I was there. And I was preaching at night. He was preaching this daytime session. And he made this comment to a group of young people that were there. He was preaching right at them. And it was, you know, it was a good sermon while he was preaching. But then he said this, if you'll come up here to this altar today, God will solve every one of your problems. And I'm standing back there on the speaking line. I'm thinking to myself, God hadn't solved every one of my problems. I mean, sometimes we shoot for something and say, you know what? Sometimes God saves us from the shipwreck, and sometimes God saves us through the shipwreck. You know, I mean, sometimes, sometimes we get miraculously delivered from a circumstance and sometimes we have to persevere through the circumstance it doesn't mean that God has forsaken us it simply means that life has caught up <laughs> say, well it must be the devil no it's not the devil it's life sometimes life just 
throws you a curveball. And what do you do in those moments when you're frozen? Those moments is when you persevere. And it's, it's something that, that he writes here in these verses. Let us, let us run the race. He's liking it to a race. You know, I mean, Raylene in a past life was a marathon runner. She, she, she ran so many marathons, she, she decided, like, I'm never running another one again. So that's, that's the way that goes. Well, I'm not a marathoner. I'm not even a half marathoner. I'm a 5K'er. And I, I, I've ran a couple of 5K's, one with obstacles called the Warrior Dash and one without. The one 5K I ran in Tulsa, the one 5K I did. Was that Route 66 or Tulsa run? I can't remember. Route 66. Raylene was running the marathon part of it. I was running the 5K. And I think Boston, did Boston run that one too? Yeah. He, he, he started at the same time I did. He finished a little earlier than me. So my next line is, I like ran that entire thing by myself. Well, I mean, not entirely by myself. There were other slow, old, fat people that were, you know, but... You know, so we ran the streets of Tulsa. It, it was down there like not, not really Midtown, just north of, 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 of what the area like they call Midtown. You know, it's kind of just off of downtown. And You know, I don't know if you realize this or not. If you ever drive down there, it's kind of hilly. You know what I'm saying? You don't realize it in a car. But, man, when you're hoofing it and you're running and you're not like an a, like you know, you're not like an avid runner. And so you go, go! And you know, they kind of start out. Yeah, and then you kind of, you kind of, and then you get that point where you have to do this. And, and then you do this, and you look, and you see, and you think, I never knew Tulsa had this many hills downtown. And it's like, what in the world am I doing out here? But I will tell you this, and I'm sure it's that way. With the marathon, I'm sure it's that way with the half marathon, all those great races that people get credit for. I didn't see the finish line until it was almost to it. You know what I'm saying? I run the entire race with no sight of the finish line. The entire race with no hope that it's ever going to be over. I'm telling you, even those little markers that are telling you, you've gone one kilometer, I'm thinking, and I got five more? You know, you've ran two. There's three more. It was long for me. And it's uphills and it's downhills and it's uphills. And there was one point toward the end that somebody comes sprinting past me. And while they're sprinting past me, they're like, we're almost there. And I'm like, I ain't got any sprint in me. But I do have something. I'm going to finish this thing if I die when I get across the finish line. If I'm the headline of the Tulsa world, local pastor falls over dead at the finish line of the Route 66, I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep, I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to have to walk. But I'm going to persevere even though I don't see an end in sight. I'm going to persevere. 
Even though I don't know where the finish line really is, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to persevere this race. And there are some people in this, you know, you say, well, liking that diversion, I know my ultimate goal is heaven. But listen, you're in a race right now that's just getting you through the next situation with your finances. You're in a race right now that you're just trying to get through the next situation in your marriage relationship. You're in a race right now that you're just trying to get through the next situation you're facing at school when you, you don't know how you're, you're just You're just in that part of the race where you don't know how you're going to deal with that boss. And you're looking at this and saying, man, it doesn't seem like there's any hope. I don't see a finish line. I'm telling you today that even though you don't see a finish line, you can make it. And if you will persevere, you're going to cross the finish line. You're going to say, wow, great victory. Hallelujah. God saw me through. I'm preaching to somebody today. You can make it. You can. You can make it. Don't quit running. Don't quit. Because there's hope for you on the other side. I love this, this verse, a very powerful verse. I close with this. Hebrews 10.35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised there's a promise waiting on you at the finish line just persevere it when we go back to to Hebrews 12 it says we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart can I tell somebody today you can make it I want you to leave this place today saying, I can make it. I can make it. I can make it. I can persevere this. If Christ can endure the cross, I can endure that boss. If Christ can endure the cross, I can endure that situation in my marriage. If Christ endured the cross, I can endure that situation at school. I can make it. I can get through this because I have a God who is on my side. And and He's going to see me through this thing if I'll trust Him. If I will trust Him. I can make it. Would you stand with me this morning? God bless us all in Jesus' name. Bow your heads for a second. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start. Would you just slip a hand up and say, I want to start my walk with God over. I need a touch from Him in my life. Would you just, that's, I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you for the hands. Thank you for the hands. I want to pray with you. Will you pray with me right now? You put your hands down. Let's pray together. Father, I'm asking you right now for a fresh start in my life. Save me, heal me, touch me. And I will give you praise because you are my Lord. I know you died for me. I know you rose again. And I confess that today in my life over every circumstance. Jesus, be Lord. I give it to you right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen to that. Hallelujah. What I want to do, Father, I'm asking.